given. I ask, Lord, that you would help us today to find courage and encouragement in you, to find strength, to do what's right, to love what's right, and to also be kind and loving to people at the same time, to shine in this world like a light. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. We got the recording going? Yes, sir. Thank you. Sorry to ask there, like in a weird way, making it awkward. Oh, honey, would you hand me that? So last week, um, no, yeah, it was last week, somebody was leaving, I won't say their name, although he probably wouldn't mind, and they said, you know, you kind of hurt my feelings, and I said, well, you know, I'll get some bubble wrap for them feelings, <coughs> and so this week he brought me some bubble wrap. <laughs> what I've been thinking about doing is cutting it into like two by two squares and keeping it on me, that way when people, when I hurt their feelings, I could just hand that to them and say, that, that's for your feelings. <laughs> what do you think? Is that a good idea? Yeah. It's okay, all right. Maybe there's a market there. Maybe I could like sell that on Amazon or something. I don't know. Or eBay or something like that. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, I'm, I'm glad that we're here. I'm glad that we serve Christ. I'm, I'm glad we have the word of God to guide us in times that don't make a lot of sense. And I'm glad that if we're going to face such times as this together, or that if we have to face such times as this I'm glad we get to do that together. And so today, um, we're in a series called Rise and Shine. We have been for several weeks already. We'll be in it for several more. We're basically uh, looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 20, through many different um, views, perspectives, I guess, from different scriptures. And I I just want to remind you that as a follower of Christ, and I guess I want to throw in the caveat here that if you are not yet a follower of Christ, that's, that's okay. We want you to have uh, space to work through your faith questions, and we want to be here for that. Uh, we want to help you find your way to the answer. But for those of you who are our followers of Christ, I just want to remind you that we are the light in this world. Someone has to be the light, especially when the world is dark. And today we're going to talk about how to stand as light in a dark world, and we're going to jump into an old story, a history. Because several thousand years ago, there was a nation, a nation that was divided and split, and it became two nations. The, The nation that split from the north side became very dark. God anointed and called a king to lead that nation. But that king, because he was afraid that if, that if God's people worshipped God in the way that God said they should worship, that he would lose their hearts. So he formed a replacement idolatrous religion in his nation. And that set a pattern that would exist for hundreds of years. And his dynasty lasted a few kings, and then there was a coup and a civil war, and then that dynasty lasted a few kings, and there was another coup and another civil war, and on this went. But all throughout these battles between dynasties and who was going to be the next king, the one discussion that never was considered, the one hope that no one ever turned to was to God and to light. And so through these dynasties and these hundreds of years, these centuries of existence, the kingdom got darker and darker and further and further away from God. Until finally it all came for the purposes of our history today to one king. And this king was prepared and, 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 and given knowledge in all that was dark. He knew all there was to know about darkness and idolatry and about not worshiping God. He was an expert in those things. But what he did not have was the fire, the igniter, to really pursue wickedness. So... The prince of darkness arranged 
that the man with the knowledge and the power would marry the woman with the passion and the desire and King Ahab married Jezebel. And now darkness became not just normal and ordinary, it became the pursuit and the worship and the passion of an entire nation. There was so much darkness in the northern kingdom of Israel that people thought it was light. There was so much bondage that they mistook bondage for freedom. There was so much evil that they mistook evil for good. And they established worship of a demon. And they murdered their children to this demon. And Israel was dark. And everybody thought that that was normal. But there was this one guy. A homeless dude lived out by the creek. His name was Elijah. And Elijah was the light. But here's the problem with being light in the dark world it's kind of like waking up your preteen for school. You go in, the room is dark. We're talking the depths of winter here, you know. And it's dark when you're getting them ready for school. And you go in and you try to wake them up and that doesn't work. You know, I don't know why they're tired. Maybe it's puberty. Maybe it's video games. Maybe it's just being a teenager or a preteen. And you can't wake them up, so what do you do? You turn on the light. And what happens without fail? Oh, turn on the light! The light is evil! Problem's not the light. Problem's a sleepy teenager. And when you have a nation that's dark, and you have a guy or a people who are light, darkness will always think that light is the problem. Okay? So in the kingdom of darkness, this one guy, the weird guy, the homeless guy, got to be the light and shine the light in a nation that God was trying to call back to himself. And so God allowed droughts. God allowed famine. And God allowed catastrophes. And often God allows things that we might turn back to God. You're like, why doesn't God use more positive methods? It could be because we're not very positive in general. We respond to negatives better. Not that we respond at all. And so the drought came, the famine came, and everyone thought that Elijah was the problem. And never thought they were the problem. So Elijah came to this moment. And so I'm not going to tell you the whole story of the day. I'm telling you all this because I want to rest in a single moment of 1 Kings chapter 18. Because he who was the light for God in a kingdom that was darkness stood up to the prince of darkness to the king of darkness Ahab the queen of darkness Jezebel he stood up to them and he said hey if your darkness is so great and your religion is so great and your idolatry is so great why don't we put it to the test why don't we have a public prayer and let's see which God answers so So Elijah does, and they have this big standoff. The one guy who's the light, Elijah, against 450 experts in demon worship, prophets of Baal. And throughout the day, the prophets of Baal called upon their demon to answer. And they had no luck, and Elijah had a lot of great jokes that you should read 1 King 18, okay? And at the end of the day, Elijah called on God... And God answered. In a moment, he demonstrated that there is a God, a God in heaven and a God in hearts who answers prayer, who is near, and who listens. It's a great story in 1 Kings 18, but 
I'm not here to tell you the whole story. I'm just giving you a bird's eye view. I want to rest in one single moment. 1 Kings 18, 21. Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. I want to rest in this moment of silence that's unlike any moment of silence you've ever had in your life. A moment of silence where the man who was representing the light and the goodness and the justice of God is standing before the people and he's, he's offering them a decision. He's saying, hey, serve God or serve Baal. And I want you to know, God, is, God offers this often. Jesus did this often. Listen or don't. Follow or don't. It's your call. And so Elijah makes this offer, and the people have no reference for what Elijah's talking about. You've got to remember, this is the homeless guy who lived down by the creek, under the overpass, whatever would help you connect with that. This is the homeless guy. What does he know? We're going to wait and see. And a lot of people in our country and in our city are exactly in this moment right now. They are waiting to see. The sad thing is many believers are also in this moment right now. You're waiting to see. And so as we inhabit this moment of silence, I'm encouraging you to stop waiting and start standing. I'm using a story of a, an incident it's crazy and wild and literally happened. To help us walk into a text in Ephesians chapter 5 that calls us to something that the average Christian in America is not ready to deal with. So let's deal with it. Are you ready? Yes. If you were hesitant, I understand. I'm a little scary sometimes. But I do have bubble wrap. This is in the New Testament. I should point that out because what I'm about to read is probably not going to fit many people's concept of the things that are written in the New Testament. Ephesians 5, 6. Do not be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. We covered that sins part last week. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Bummer. That's in the New Testament. The anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Verse 7. You, Christian, don't participate in the things these people do. Immorality, greed, uncleanness. Those are the sins he's referring to, which are categories of sins. Don't participate in and the things these people do. The anger of God is going to fall on these people. And that's not what God's plan is for you. Verse 8. For once you were full of darkness. But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Live as people of the light. Don't participate in the works of darkness. You're filled with light, so do the things that represent someone who's filled with light. You're the Elijah. In the situation in which you inhabit right now, you're the light. You're the homeless guy down by the river. You're the weirdo. You're the one that, that doesn't fit in. That's you, child of God. And I know you're like, well, I don't want to be the weirdo. I don't want to be the religious fanatic. Jesus doesn't have, like, grades of followers. He's like, well, you know, there's level one, and they go to church once a year, hit Easter, maybe Christmas, and, you know, that's the level one believer. And then level two, you know, I'm going to stop because I'm about to have to get the bubble wrap out. I'm going to hurt some feelings. <laughs> no, there is either follow God and that which is light or follow darkness. And that which is not, that, that, there's really, you're like, man, that's really black and white. I really like gray. Yes, the kingdom of darkness 
loves gray, and that's our primary influence in the world in which we live. You got to understand that if you're going to live to, to learn to live as Paul's teaching, then you have to learn to live in the light, and you have to understand that light is foreign to everything that you know naturally. Light is known. I know you're like this is going to be weird. Light is known supernaturally. Light is taught by God's word and God's spirit. And by the way, God's word doesn't change and it doesn't fail. So Paul gives us some, I'm just going to give you three simple lessons. That's it. The first, choose the light. Choose light. That's the choice that we as Christians have to make. And here's the thing. The world is filled with darkness. And when, you, when all you know is darkness, you think that gray and, and the dim is actually light. You don't have a reference for what's light. So as a Christian, what does that mean practically? Well, here, as a Christ follower, this is what it means. It means that you follow Jesus Christ and you learn that he teaches you what is light. And and he's the source of what's light, that he is light. And I think the best way to learn that is through his word, which doesn't change. It stays the same. Cultures change. Uh, What people consider moral and immoral changes But God's word doesn't change. It's the same. And so God's opinion on things hasn't actually changed ever. (laughs) He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The way he relates to us has changed because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We'll come back to that in a minute. But God's opinion on things haven't changed. So So in a world of darkness, what does that mean that we do? Because a lot of Christians take this concept of living in the light and living for truth, and we become real jerks about it. And we think our job now is to preach against everyone's sin, which I disagree with. I think you have to deal with sin and be honest with sin, but our job is to to live righteous, to love people, to be kind, but we don't. um, We accept and support sinners, but We also don't say things aren't sin just because the world says they're not sin. This is really important. We live in a world today that's just taking unrighteousness, things that God says are wrong, and redefining them. Saying that things that God says are sin and calling them holy. And you're like, Michael, I'm not sure I get what you're saying. So I'll spell it out for you. Again, I have the bubble wrap if you need it. Christians can't walk around in a world that's immoral. Just based right out of Ephesians chapter 5 here. We can't walk around in a world that's immoral and say, and say things like, well, you know, God is love. And since you like sex so much, it must be okay for you to have it with anyone that's willing to have it with you. Wow, that was a low blow. It gets worse. We can't say these kind of things because God's word has a specific covenant for how intimacy is supposed to work. And God's right and everybody else is wrong. I didn't make the rules. I didn't set up the covenant. God did because God knows exactly what we need. We can't look at people and say, man, since you love money so much, it's okay for you to be greedy and do whatever you have to to get more money. We can't say that. You understand? We can't do these kind of things. We can't say things like, hey, since you like yourself so much and God wants you to be happy and comfortable. And yeah, I'm being sarcastic. Just make sure that whatever you do to make yourself happy, make sure to use people because someone has to pay for your happiness. Make sure to use people that have no voice so you can get away with it. Ouch, right? Christians, this stuff isn't for us. We're not partakers in the darkness. We have a different way, a different life. Again, I just want to put that little caveat out there. If you're still trying to work on your faith issues, believe me, I'm a lot nicer in person. I mean, over coffee. I'm better with coffee. In fact, I should drink coffee now. I'll be nicer. (laughs) My point is, is, as children of God, our job is to choose the light 
and not the darkness. And, we, that, and what that means for us is we cannot live in the world, and just because we want people to like us or we want to be approved, we cannot start saying about simple things what the world says about simple things. We cannot call sin holy. We cannot call darkness light. I, I don't, this is very important. But what does that mean? Does that mean I need to let everyone know what I think about their life? Actually, no. That's not what I mean at all. What it means is, is that you and I need to ourselves choose to live and participate in the light. We need to make those choices. We need to live differently in the world. Christians need to live moral, clean, and charitable lives. Not immoral, unclean, and greedy lives. That's what we need to do. We need to make those choices and choose the light over the kingdom of darkness. Here's the thing I need to warn you about. No one's going to appreciate that. No one's going to honor you for that. We don't live in a day and age. We, we very much live in the same age as Elijah. And being light in a world of darkness is not going to be honored. And so if that's your only motivation for doing it, give up now. That's not the motivation. The motivation for choosing the light is relationship with Christ, presence of the Father, and eternal reward. The Father actually expects you <laughs> to pursue your eternal reward. He expects you to live past your tombstone. I know it's a lot to ask. I never said it'd be easy. The Bible doesn't say it will be easy. Paul, James, Peter, they all said it would be hard. And so we need to prepare our hearts and minds for that. It's going to be challenging to make those kind of choices. So choose the light. The second thing, the second step I'd advise you to do, based on what Paul says, is to embrace the light, to fully embrace it, and to purge the darkness from our lives. One of the, I think the most difficult thing about choosing to follow Jesus Christ and making that step toward him, I think the most challenging thing is, is that everything beyond that moment you will have to learn. You have no context for the life of God that's presented in Jesus Christ aside from relationship in Jesus Christ. You have no idea what to expect. So you will have to learn, and you're going to have to grow in some things. Also, I want you to understand that, yes, we do have sin in our life. I'm not expecting anyone in this place to be perfect from this point on. But I do want you to know that there is a way to make sin holy. Like, oh, no, he's going into heresy. Calm down. The way to make sin holy is to place that sin upon the altar that is Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, the Bible teaches in Exodus 29, 37, that whatever you place on the altar becomes holy. Jesus reaffirmed that teaching, if you're taking notes, in Matthew 23, 19. Then Jesus went to the cross, and we learn by the exegesis of what Jesus did. I'm sorry, that should not have used that long word. We learn by uh, Hebrews' teaching on what Jesus did, that Jesus became that altar and sacrificed himself there. So how sin is made holy is that it is placed upon Jesus. So to purge darkness from our lives, to get rid of the sin that's that we struggle with, that we need to overcome, it has to be laid on Christ. The great thing about this is, it can be laid on Christ every chance it needs to be. You can fail every day and lay it on Christ. I'm not giving you opportunity to sin. I'm just telling you, Christ's sacrifice was so sufficient and so awesome that he, he where sin abounds, Romans chapter 5, verse last verse of that chapter, grace much more abounds, or there's much more grace. And so, no matter where you're at in the darkness that's within you, all you have to do to be free is to lay it on Christ. Now, if you want to stay in bondage to it, then don't call it sin anymore and call it holy. Call it right. Call darkness light. And that's how you stay in the prison of sinful behavior. So Paul says, hey, choose the light. Don't just choose it, though. Don't just flip a coin and say, yes, I'll go the way of the light. He says, no, embrace it. Fully immerse yourself in it. Fully pursue it. 
And we find through other teachings in the New Testament of James and of Peter that we're supposed to pursue God, resist the devil, and mortify or put to death our flesh or the darkness that's within us. That means we're letting go of this, the, the rules and the culture of the world, and we are entering into a new culture. You know, when Jesus came, it's interesting the difference between John the Baptist and Jesus. John the Baptist came, he preached against sin. He did, man. You've got to turn away from these evil things. You've got to do right. You've got to be baptism of repentance. And he preached against sin. And it was a true message. Elijah would have done the same thing. But Jesus said, no, it was John himself who said that I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. And do you happen to know what Jesus preached? He did deal with sin on occasion. But Jesus taught his disciples to preach the kingdom. What's the difference? Jesus was teaching an entirely new culture, an entirely new reign, an entirely new legal system, an entirely new uh, punishment and reward system. Jesus was teaching an entirely new world, new nation to live in. Jesus was focused toward the future. John was focused on the past. Does that make sense? And so we need to focus on that future ourselves and seek the kingdom and seek light. How you might do this practically is to fill your life with things that are light. The word of God, the presence of God through worship, through focus upon him. Just good stuff with relationships that are healthy and strong, with prayer and with praise. The more these things fill your life, the more light you're going to shine into the dark corners. The more you're going to see that the world you know and the world that is actually your home are very different. I was struggling a a while ago with, uh, you know, same thing you struggle with, stuff. And I have this thought that rolls through my head. That uh, doesn't even make sense to me. But I was, I, was, I was a little angry, sad, just dealing with some emotional stuff, which I don't like to talk about. I didn't have any bubble wrap handy. And I'm talking to God. Some, you probably wouldn't enjoy my conversations with God. They're kind of raw. And I remember saying this, and I've actually said it. I've prayed it. I bet I've prayed it a million times. I said, God, I just want to go home. I want to go home. And I don't even know what I was thinking when I said it. Because I was sitting in my easy chair in my home. When I said, I just want to go home. And, and I had prayed this, I don't know how many times in that particular week. And I was praying it one other day. And I remember saying, saying I just want to go home. And then I remember thinking, well, you are home. And it was like the Spirit said, this is not your home. This isn't home. This is a bad camping trip. You ever had a bad camping trip? Several years ago, my wife and children, we took a a, a camping trip. I don't know why, because all I really wanted to do was burn wood. That's all I wanted to do. (laughs) I'm kind of a pyromaniac. Not as bad as some people in the room, but I'm kind of a pyromaniac. (laughs) I'm not mentioning names, Alan, but (laughs) just kidding. So we got the family together. Of course, we lived in Missouri at the time, I believe it was, or if my wife remembers, I should have her tell the story. I'm not, though, because her stories are longer than mine, and I have to hurry. So so we went on this camping trip, and we we borrowed somebody's tent, and they had this huge tent. We got it all set up, got all of our stuff together. We're there. We're camping with how many kids, three or four? Five kids. Did we have that many? Okay, all right. So camping with five kids. Doesn't that sound like fun? And it started to rain. I mean, if you've lived in Wyoming your whole life, you've probably never even seen rain. I mean, you folks from Oregon, Washington, uh, the South, Texas, I mean, you've probably seen some rain. But if you're from here, you haven't seen rain. And it began to rain. Where I come from, we call it a gully washer. So a gully, a gully, never mind, just look it up, look it up. 
That's, that's why I forgot. We couldn't have the fire because there were burn restrictions on, and that night it rained inches of water, and so it was just awesome. So we packed up a wet tent and everything and went home that very night. That camping trip was nowhere near as bad as the one I'm on my entire lifetime on earth. Because on this camping trip, it's always dark. I'm the only light around other than the other believers around me. And there's an enemy working in the darkness to try and make it even worse. Guys, Christians, followers of Jesus, embrace the light. Fill your life with light. Choose the light. Embrace the light. And then shine the light. Paul tells us to live as people of the light. How do we do that? Let's take Elijah's example. What did Elijah really do that day? In the simplest way I can state it, Elijah showed the nation of Israel that there is a God who answers prayer. That there's a God who answers when you call on him. Think about this. How could you not just choose the light, not just embrace the light, but shine the light in the places where you work, in the places that you go? How can you be light? Well, have you ever thought about this little thing? What if we started showing people that God answers prayer? Like, people would think I was a nut. They already do. Let it go, man. It's okay. So I can't remember, I was talking to some group one time about praying for people just out in the community or whatever, and I can't remember who asked me this, but someone asked me, said, well, what if someone asked you, what if you ask someone to pray for them and they ask you to pray that they win the lottery? And here's my answer, just in case you encounter this, pray for them to win the lottery. So that's dumb. God would never let them win the lottery. He might. Maybe they'll tithe on it. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Here's something I love about God. God loves to answer prayer. I don't know if you've read the Gospels recently, but the next time you read them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I want to challenge you to pay attention to something. I want, you to, cha- I want to challenge you to pay attention to how many people Jesus healed who did not follow him. They were not Christ followers, and Jesus still healed them. Why? Because grace is grace. It never works. Jesus died for grace, and he he died to be and exist as grace and truth. That is what the light is, is grace and truth. Let me ask you something, though. Let's say that you took this challenge on, and you actually prayed for someone at work, and they were like, whatever, you do you. That attitude, I've seen it, I've had it. I will tell you this though, nine out of ten people have never had anyone pray for them and when you pray for them, it is a very impactful moment. But there is that one out of ten who's very annoyed that you ask. But if you pray for them and God answers their prayer because God actually loves to answer prayer, what would you have just done? you will have proven that there is a God who answers prayer. And we live in a world that doesn't believe God does that anymore. And so this is one simple way that you can shine the light. You can do like Elijah and show to a world that's in darkness that there's a God who answers prayer, and that will shine a light for them. You can also show them that there is a Savior who never leaves. A Savior who never leaves. I want you to realize this. Um, I, I will fail you. I probably already have failed most of you in one way or another. Okay? I will fail you. Jesus will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never do it your way. He will never, he will never meet your expectations while somehow weirdly he will always exceed them. I don't get it either. He's just really good at what he does. He's like better than Google. He knows everything, okay? See, but if we give them, 
as, as Christians in the world, there are a lot of good things we could do and we should do. I mean, we should work in our community for the problems that it faces. We should work toward getting people who are hungry food and, and people who need health care, health care. We, we should do all kinds of caring and wonderful things in every way that we can. But if we do all of that and we don't give them Jesus, we have utterly and completely and eternally failed. So the answer is Jesus Christ. And if we can give someone, show someone, get someone close to in the neighborhood of Jesus, Jesus can make a difference in anyone and will make a difference in every life that meets him. My goal, your goal, is, is not, to, not to win people over or sell them Christ. Our goal is to connect them with Jesus. If, if there can be a Jesus center meeting then we have cre- we have somehow occupied the space where a miracle can happen so if we shine the light we can show them a god who answers prayer we can show them a savior who never leaves and remember just one one little thing to throw in here jesus is the answer you and i will never be the answer okay we can help them we're supposed to but we are not the answer. Which brings me to my last point is, is simply this. If we can shine the light by showing them that there is a love that never lets go. Every now and then I get reacquainted with my weaknesses. And I have a lot of them. And I like to be frank with them for two reasons. One, I, I don't want you to ever think I'm preaching at you. <laughs> preaching by its very nature means to proclaim the good news. So preaching that brings guilt, uh, uh, unless it leads to repentance, is not actually good news. And so I want you to know that I'm just as broken and messed up as any person in this room. Which means things like, Jesus will never give up on you, but i got to be honest with you, I will. Yeah. I'm, 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 man, the amount of success I have loving people is directly dependent upon the amount and presence of God in my life. The closer I am to him, the more loving I am, the more patient I am. But when I get drained, when I start living from the wrong source, I also get short-tempered, grumpy, start handing people bubble wrap. I'm afraid that what I'm trying to tell you is, is that I have to allow Jesus to be the one who seeks and saves the lost. I have to get out of his way sometimes, and I have to let him do what he knows is best. And let me tell you what that means for me. It never works the way I think it should. It never does. I mean, man, I want to see someone come to faith in Christ and, like, hit the ground running and get their life straightened out immediately and just on fire, flame on for Christ. And I love it when that happens. It doesn't always happen that way. One of the things I've realized as I've gotten older in my faith is that people are coming to God from a lot farther away than I did. And so it's a, it's a lot to learn and a lot to know about him. But I'll tell you this, God loves and God's love doesn't let go. Let me tell you how you'll know when you're showing people God's love. You'll start having really strange people in your life. I, when, uh, when we first started Ordinary Faith, I used to tell the leadership team, and we still have this conversation regularly, but I said, if you are really reaching people, it's messy. You guys remember our messy discussions? We had a ton of them. It's messy. Because Jesus loves all these weird, clingy, needy, sometimes smelly, often not my kind of people. Jesus loves all those people. And the only way I can love those people is when Jesus is loving them through me. Because I'm kind of a train wreck myself. I, like everyone else, love to love me. I mean, you're, I'm sure you're better than that, but I'm just telling you who I am. Okay, I'm just being straight with you. We shine the light when we give people a love that never lets go. And we realize that Jesus Christ is the actual answer. When we give them those kind of things, we create this... Uh, creates the wrong word. We inhabit this space where the miracles can happen, where lives can change. That's why Jesus left us here. That's why we were 
saved. That's why he inhabits us so we can be his light in our world. And that's what I want to challenge all of us to do today. In the words of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. That, my friends, is us. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So guys, some of you are Christ followers already in this room. And I just want to challenge you to choose the light, embrace the light, and shine the light in your life. I want to challenge you to purge the darkness out and to really go after what is good and true. And for those of you who are sitting there on the sidelines wondering what this Christianity thing is all about, I want to make an offer, but I also want to issue a warning. Following Jesus is a total and radical life change. It is nothing less than that. And I know that walking into something like that, you're like, man, I don't know if I'm ready for this. And it's okay. No believer was ready for what Jesus had for them. But what Jesus has for you is far better than anything you could ever imagine. And so I want to tell, tell you today, as we come into our season, worship team, if you'd come on up, this would be a great time. As we're getting ready to sing, I want to give you an opportunity. If you have never you know, stepped across that line, never stepped forward to trust Christ, I want to challenge you to do that today. Challenge you to just draw your line in the sand and say, I'm going to be a weirdo myself. <laughs> I want to follow Christ. But however you take this message, I just want to challenge you, all of us, myself included, to live as light in the world. To stop expecting the world to love us for it. And just to love people regardless. To be true. To stop bending over, cowering to sin. But to stand for what's right, but with kindness. Let's bow our heads for a second. I'm about to pray. Um, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, I'm just going to give you a simple prayer you could pray to get started. It could be something like this. God, I, I, I know i got a lot wrong with me. But I know Jesus died for me. And right now, the best way I know how, I surrender all me, and I follow all him. His name I pray, amen. You could pray something like that. You Christ followers who are already in the room, you're already following Christ, I want to challenge you to start doing some praying today. I set the cross back out. It's on my left, your right, from a couple weeks ago. There are still there's some prayer things on it from a couple weeks ago. And if you want to take a minute while we're worshiping, you can do it from where you are. You could come up here. You can either pray for those who need prayer. You could just pray for Christians, pray for the light to shine in our community. You could grab another post-it note and another thumbtack and write something down you want to give to Jesus today. You can do that while we worship. Father, thank you for a chance to think about your words, to take these passages, some that are very difficult sometimes, and don't fit our, our don't worry, be happy attitude or what we've been taught. And Father, but they are also medicine to our souls. They, they are a salve that actually heal us and not just distract us. And so I pray that we will take these words of Paul, these inspired words, words that are yours, that basically Paul was the pen to write down. And you would help us to embrace you, embrace light, to shine light, and to do it with the love and the patience and the kindness of Christ also with the firmness and that face set like a flint, as Isaiah said of Jesus, upon what is truly righteous and holy and right. Don't let us bow. Empower us to never bow to the evil in our world, but to stand for what is true. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Pastor Steve.